Hey, Mary, we spent all that time talking about vowels, but we forgot to mention a pretty important topic. I wonder if our listeners noticed as well. This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Hey listeners, did you notice that we forgot to talk about consonants? Welcome to episode 17, all about consonants. Better late than ever. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mary Sagafi, and I'm a reading tutor, and I have taught in all elementary grades. I have Orton Gillingham training, and I've been helping students with reading issues and dyslexia for 10 years. I love talking all things teaching, and I believe that humor goes a long way when asking students and teachers to do hard things. I'm excited to share with Shannon and learn along with all of you. Hey, I'm Shannon Betts, and I've been teaching for over 16 years. My specialty is locating the missing pieces in students' reading development and choosing just right activities to fill those gaps. You can find me online at readingdevelopment.com and at rdngdevelopment on Twitter and Instagram. No joke, like a week ago, I texted Mary and I said, um, dot, dot, dot. We need to do an episode about consonants. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, we definitely need to do an episode about consonants. We, t- we did Sometimes seven get vowel so series excited. episodes. You just get so excited and you want to move on. And sometimes that happens. That's why we use a scope and sequence when we're teaching, <laughs> right? right? So, so that's good. And when you start teaching reading and you're in the really early grades and you notice that your students don't have the vowels yet, you probably should back it on up and see if they know their consonants. Because yeah. out of the 26 letters, you know that 21 are consonants. Yeah, and they have different, <laughs> there's different issues with teaching them. And so they deserve their own episode. And so we're going to give consonants some attention today. They do. And, uh, and it is really important because um, consonants are really the building block of um, learning what all the letters are about. And um, you start to teach the different phonemes that some of the consonants, um, you know, can uh, join together. They can make consonant blends and that kind of builds. So we're going to discuss all those topics today and another favorite consonant uh, concept digraphs. Yes. <laughs> and so um, I like what you said about how it's a building block because I really, no matter what grade level I'm working with that year, whether I'm a reading intervention teacher or if I'm just a homeroom teacher, I don't know, week two of small group instruction is what is a vowel, what is a consonant. Right. And um, I pull out the little mini mirrors that I have, and we look um, at the letter cards, and we see that vowels open our mouths. Yes. And consonants close our mouths. And some of them get a little tricky, like the students... um, after I teach the definition, we sort all the letter cards, and sometimes there's a little bit of a, you know, a discussion of, p, you know, like P, is it a vowel or is it a consonant? Because you're like, well, your mouth is still a little open, or, but we kind of really exaggerate it and look at is the sound produced like by opening your jaw or like pushing sound out of a closed mouth, and so we really are able to see at that point that 
21 of the letters are consonants because you're closing your mouth to make those sounds. Right, and there's lots of detailed linguistic information about how your mouth makes all of these sounds. This is not the episode for that, though. No. We're going to keep it keep it simple and keep it moving. Um, you know that there are 21 consonants, and consonants rarely say their name, which is also a good way to teach kids, um, you know, like um, the X and X-ray. It's one of my very favorite letters to teach. Um super teacher that I used to work with uh, would work with her older students and they were working on this at the end um, sound specifically and so she would she got a coke out of the machine you know in Atlanta we don't we only drink coke so it has to always be coke yes sorry Pepsi people but we uh, so she would get the coke out and she would pop it open and oh we would make that sound I like that and it is um, this little you know wonderful it's an experience that our experiences, yep, they they are meaningful. And oh, how exciting it was for those kids to get to have a little bit of Coke during the school day. It was so <laughs> exciting. So, um, you know, that that's really important. I know lots of kindergarten teachers, myself included, have a Q&U wedding at the beginning of, or maybe whenever you're reviewing the Q&U uh, are always connected. They're married. They're so in love. They're never apart. Um, we know that U is a vowel, but it's still an important rule that goes along with the consonant Q. So um, that's important. And um, yeah, so there's there's lots of other things. I love this part because I think it gets to the broader piece. So the sound R is not er. Oh, oh. I really want to make sure that we emphasize this. I tell the kids to make a circle with their mouth like a ring. So I'm like, oh. ring, rain, robot, oh, and we'll I do like a that. beginning sound sort. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I won't do beginning sound sorts with every single consonant sound unless they're really having trouble with them. But I always do the R one because so many students say that and I'll say it's not er ring it's not right. er robot it's ring robot and if they're making that er sound by mistake then that's going to show up with decoding difficulties later right and also when adults are working or prompting kids too with their spelling um, you want to make sure that the adults are also saying the letter sounds correctly B is not buh. Right. You got to take off that uh, You have to at the take end. off the uh, You got to say it as fast so as possible. You need to make sure that your um your R. I always said it sounds like a barking dog, but I really like the making of the ring with your mouth. That's really smart. Um, but making sure that all adults are pronouncing those consonant sounds correctly. No uhs at the end of consonants. Yes. Very D good point. D is not duh. Right. <laughs> and so, um, and that kind of brings up that some consonants are continuous sounds and right. um, some are quick sounds. And so then that can emphasize the quickness of it. So like the consonant M sound mm, is a continuous sound. And usually it's the continuous sounds that are taught first because they're easier to blend in with words with decoding. It's mm. easier to sound out mat because you can really string sing it, it yeah you can string it and sing it along and then it's a little bit easier as you're stretching it for the students to blend it yeah. but it's harder if you're saying k at because the k is a quick sound oh wonderful yeah that's i've actually never heard that well, that's a good one i'm tuck that one in my back pocket well okay so we know that there are um the 
there are the letter sounds that we have. So we have CVC words. Mm -hmm. um, and then we get to add in CCVC words. Yes, so That's after the students are really strong with blending mm -hmm. um, and spelling or segmenting um, CVC words with short vowels, that's when I'll bring in the initial blends, the blends at the front of the words. Right, and I like to cluster these. Uh, Me too. Most teachers do. Um, they're L blends, S blends, um, and those are your big group. And then there are... And then the R blends. R blends are the next piece. The R blends, Shannon and I were just discussing, discussing we're getting a little bit tricky. When you teach the DR, lots of kids think it's a J sound. And they'll spell like drum with a J. And dragon, drum. well, they'll spell with a J sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so um, I do, I, I always do sorts when I'm teaching the initial blends. And so um, we talked about phonemic awareness in a different episode. Mm -hmm. But I make sure that the students can hear the differences between like BL and PL, for example, and um, Words Their Way in the back of the original book mm -hmm. have picture cards for all the different blends with a number of examples of them. And so we'll practice um, at the kidney table sorting the different beginning blend sounds, yep. making sure that um, we hear the differences of those, and then we'll start matching the letters to those sounds. All of those are so important. Um, and then practice spelling them. Another technique, if you're having, if you're noticing that they are not getting the, the blending sounds, you need to add in a multi-sensory piece to it. Um, and so that may be um, arm tapping, it may be finger tapping, and there's lots of things on the internet that will show you how to do that. But I love just a basic arm tap where you keep the beginning consonants up on your upper arm and your vowel goes in the elbow and then you hear the ending sound at your wrist. So um, even if we're doing um, uh, spring, I keep the SPR sounds at the beginning and then is at the end. And I so like that's that. a really advanced one, but I still like to keep them segmented in different pieces on the arm and stretching it all out. If you're using um, finger tapping, make sure that you're using your non-writing hand and let the students move from right to left when they're tapping out their sounds. So if you are right-handed, you start with your pinky finger. If you are left-handed, then your students should be starting with their thumb. And if you are having kids who have um, difficulties with that, have them trace their hand, oh. have a handprint, and have a green dot where they're supposed to start on whichever hand it is. I love that. Uh huh. It's a good way to get them to hold onto their paper as well with their non-writing hand. Um, and so that also... We'll provide helps. a picture so that y'all can see that, what that looks like, because Mary's acting it out for me right now. I'm always moving. <laughs> um, Little do you know. So uh, I have a guided reading group that just moved from letter D to letter E. Um, guided reading books and so when we we had a big little celebration Very goodbye exciting. level d we've learned you hello level e and we color in our little level in our chart that's true and then the first day we had ebooks we did a picture walk and word walk just glancing at the books and they started to see that there were a lot of words that had five and six and seven letters and um, they got a little nervous, and I said, okay, and I pointed out the blends anchor chart. We had kind of touched on them with um, Level D, but now we're really digging into mm -hmm. them in the small group. And I said, okay, yes, there are more words, 
But as you become a more advanced reader and as you grow as a reader, you actually still say about the same number of pieces. Like you're saying, it's still, it's almost like ka-at because you're saying three sounds, but now you're putting some of those sounds together. Yeah. And so then bl-ast, even though there's five letters, you're kind of still saying three pieces. And I tell them that a blend are letters together that are said together but you hear each sound mm-hmm. and then that's kind of different than a digraph, which we're going to get into in a second. But, um, that starts to train them. And it, sometimes if they still are trying to sound out that word sound by sound, but asked, and they see that like it at that point, like that's just too many individual phonemes to keep track of. Mm-hmm. And so then I'll prompt them. Okay. But remember on the chart, we BL is one we can say together as a blend. It's right. okay. Let's put that together and say the same, but let's say, blah. And let's see if that word gets a little bit easier. Right. Well, and I often notice the blends are where my students um, get really overwhelmed. Um, And sometimes you need to add in another piece. So every time we see um, a blend, we circle it with our finger because we know that those are just like buddy friends. They are, oh, that's an L. That L is friends with everybody. And, you know, that L is probably going to kind of link together. Yeah, attaching a a story to the phonics rules helps a lot. I've noticed that. I I think so, too. Like the bossy R, like the magic E. Or sometimes when you're... The blender friend. When I am writing on the board and I'm wanting them to sound out and decode a word, then I might just give them that visual cue that, oh, here, I'll circle it, and they'll say, oh, yeah, that's a blend. And then they know how to sound out the consonant and they're looking for the vowel. So because they're constantly remembering to look for the vowel when they start to see more consonants, it gets a little bit overwhelming. So giving them tools to kind of break it down a little bit. Um, I like that. Yeah. So, um, but lots of sorts when we do blends, I love the visual anchor chart with the blender Mm-hmm. And, you know, you you talk about all of the different ones that blend. And really, that's what kids have to kind of get solidified in their head. Look for the vowel. Also look for the blend. Yes. Constantly vowel first, though. Um, okay, let's talk about digraphs a little bit. Yes. So Mary and I, I was asking her, like, when do you teach digraphs? Because I've seen it done different times. Like, right. a lot of the very basic sight words, like she and... Right. The have digraphs in them, and so if the students are trying to sound out, yeah, I'm afraid that maybe like I don't know, a quarter of our listeners are scratching their heads and they're like, "What's that word digraph mean?" Okay, so the kid-friendly definition that I use mm-hmm. is related to the blend definition. Right. So then I say, okay, blends are letters together, said together, but you hear each sound. Right. Digraphs are letters together. That are make a new sound. That make a brand new sound. That's exactly right. Oh, you nailed the definition. That yeah. was beautiful. Thank so you. yeah, so two letters that make a brand new sound. So you have consonant digraphs, and eventually we have vowel digraphs. We are not getting into yeah. vowels. I just call those all vowel teams as a category, and I don't really differentiate for the students. But I do call them digraphs when I teach them. So I always start teaching um, the H brothers together. Yes, love that anchor chart, whoever invented it on the internet. It's everywhere on Pinterest. We'll link to a picture of it. Right. We cannot take credit for it, but we use it. H brothers are very important. It's like Philip and Charles and Theo. All of their names start with the digraphs, which are S-H-T-H-P-H-W-H. Yep, that's exactly right. And so those brothers are... Um, 
uh, strong, they make a new sound, and pretty soon you start to notice the SHs all over the room. They start to notice the THs all over the room. Also, when you teach TH, you're going to teach it twice. You're going to teach the voiced sound, and you're going to teach the unvoiced sound. And so when I do that, all you do is stick your finger on your throat, and you say the word then. Then it has a buzz sound. That's a voiced sound. And you feel a vibration. In if your you throat. say thin, thin is going to just have air escape through your teeth, and that is going to be an unvoiced sound. But um, it is important that the kids know that those two unique sounds are still represented by the same two letters. Okay. Okay. Digraphs. Digraphs. And um, I was conferencing with one of my readers today actually and he I had taught digraphs whole group I don't know third week of school maybe yeah and then I taught it to his small group maybe like a month ago it kind of sunk in not totally this is Tony the guy who was like trying to get all the big books in the library he's not always tuning into everything I say my buddy and what I teach yeah <laughs> but he did learn um, about a week ago, the SH, because he really wanted to spell a word with SH, and then he had also seen it in a book he was reading, and so he sort of kind of remembered the SH. Mm -hmm. And so then um, he did CH like a few days after that. Okay, and so it's starting to say, okay, there's the SH and the CH, and he's not remembering all the digraphs at once, but he's kind of seeing it. And then today he... Um, had to sound out a word that had the TH. And so we worked on it in the reading group this morning. And then in the afternoon, he was doing a writing task. And he was like, hey, Miss Betts, remind me, like, what was that that did the th sound? What were those letters again? And I said, it, it was it was T in another letter. And he was like, oh, yeah, TH, TH. And so then he used it in his spelling. And so he's just sort of gradually these are becoming a part of his, of now yeah. his, um, repertoire of sounds yeah. and it's taking a while and it's not always linear. And yeah. sometimes with him, I feel like I go two steps forward and want to step back, but, but now it's classroom. meaningful. Like the digraph was meaningful today in both a reading and a writing moment for Yay. him. And that, so that's what's making that stick. And so sometimes if we just teach these in isolation and we're not giving them reading opportunities with those words and we're not giving them writing opportunities with those words. And sometimes I'm guilty of it too. Like if we do a bunch of word sorts, but then don't do a book or writing immediately after, mm -hmm. then the word sort is a little bit meaningless sometimes right. to the students too. So these digraphs become a part of the students' sounds and a part of their knowledge and their you know, word bank and sound right. bank when they use them in authentic reading and writing. I, I um, hold my students accountable for, ex I, when I was working in smaller groups and then also when I'm doing one-on-one -on -one tutoring, it's a lot easier for me to have these conversations. But if you're working in an intervention setting and you're able to really have your students explain back to you or reteach you what they have learned oh, from it. Yes, reciprocal teaching. I love that. It's so important. And, and you know, if they can teach it to you, then they've learned it. So, so maybe I should follow up with Tony well, in a couple of days like and say, of, oh, remind me what you learned about that. Can we add some more words to the list? I love it because he seems like the type of student that's in every classroom that needs those, you know, just curving it back around and quick reminders and, yeah. you know, needs um, multiple opportunities for practice. Mm -hmm. So 
And it seems like he needs an even meaning more meaningful experience than your yes, general he needs population. the multisensory. He needs that meaning, um, the experience, the hands-on moment, memory making with that phonics lesson or that yeah. phonics concept. So, digraphs. Some people teach it right after they teach letter sounds, so that students can have an opportunity to. Um, understand the sight words better and mm -hmm. have a, you know, a bigger chance of success with starting those beginning guided reading stories. Um, but I, I teach it a little bit later, like after I teach initial blends, just because I find that two letters equaling one sound has been difficult for a lot of the students over the years. So that's why I push it a little bit later. Yeah. So Orton Gillingham does not subscribe to a specific um, scope and sequence. Okay. So we vary it and it's prescriptive based on each student that you work with. So it depends. Um, when I was teaching my small group, I really loved the recipe for reading scope and sequence. I thought that was, that worked for my students really well. And, um, you know, there's other sequences throughout. So I think that um, we are hitting a time limit and I am Mary, I'm not done talking about consonants yet. We can keep going. <laughs> Besides, <laughs> Besides <Sorry> guys. <laughs> we haven't talked about ending blends yet, and that's a pretty Ooh. big group of consonants. No, you're absolutely right. And ending blends, for some reason, that tricks up my student. It trips up my students. I don't know about you. They're harder than the initial blends. The students seem to master and can get the initial blends pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ending blends. Like, I've attempted to make a sound chart with pictures and things, and it's a very busy-looking list because it's so many different ending blends that right. they have to try to learn. And some are the same as the initial blends, like the ST, and then a lot yeah. of those are different. And then there's some, um, you know, like TCH is in there, so it's sort of an ending blend, and it's a, you know, and it's, and it's a digraph. Yeah. And it's got so, its own spelling rule with it. It's very exciting. I um, love that TCH. <laughs> I, I, um, I have a really great mini book. We can't link to it cause I don't know where the source was, but uh, someone who helped me when I was becoming, um, an intervention teacher and shared a lot of resources with me, gave it to me, but it's like a huge mini book of like vowel, um, consonant vowel consonant consonant words and so yeah. it's and it kind of staples into like a little you know half size book and yep. the kids can like hold it sort of like a detective pad and they can read you know like 20 words on each list for the ll or for the st or for the ck or for oh, the lk cool. and then they can add extra words to the list and I, that's what i one of the things i use every single year sure. just because once students learn ending blends, they can add a lot of words oh, to know. their word bank, um, but it's getting through all of them. My, I, I always notice that it's um, it's not so much reading them, it's spelling them. Okay. I, I especially like N-D, um, though that N is so sneaky sometimes, or N-T, uh, they just don't always hear I agree it. with that. I'm nodding, but mm -hmm. I'm agreeing with that. Yes. yes. So, um, yeah. So we do a lot of review, a lot of tapping. And by this point, um, you know, the kids kind of look at me and they're like, okay, we've been tapping out these words for eons, but if they're not tapping those ending blends, 
then really then they're missing the beginning. They get the beginning part of the word and then they miss the ending blend. And so I make them go back through. We call it um, SOS, simultaneous oral spelling, when we do our dictation sentences. And so we work on a lot of words that have similar patterns and those um, that repetition I think is really effective in making sure that they're really tapping out the sounds and listening for the phonemic awareness part and then encoding it and writing it. So I see a lot of like mixed up things too. Like I'll see lots and lost, oh, you yeah. know, in the students, like when they're reading sometimes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, they're trying to go a little bit faster and they're getting it and then they kind of trip up a little okay. bit. Okay. Yeah. They're almost to the end of the word. And... Yeah. And I think, I think that happens a lot too. Um, the end of the word is always a lot trickier because the kids are, Move into the next word, sort well, of, in their eyes. Or sometimes they're, I hope they're not told by any of our listening teachers just to guess a word. Okay. <laughs> because, um, it's the word guessing that really um, they want to just move on to the next piece. But we're talking about phonics instruction. So when you're working on the phonics instruction, when you're working on your spelling tasks, make sure that they're really not skimping that whole word until they get to those predicting yeah. they, when they're able to phrase things. I'll say, too, um, that a lot of students will mess up with ending blends when it's a either a plural noun or a present tense verb that has an S on it, and all of a sudden, like, they could read the word plant, but then they see plants, and they're frozen. Yeah. And so a lot of times I'll teach them to put their pinky on the S and oh, cover yeah. it up, and I'm like, Guys, you know that word. Just cover up the S. Okay, yep, it's plant. Okay, plant. Okay, now orally, out loud, cat to cats. You know how to put an S on a word. What would plant be with an S? And they'll say, oh, plants. And That's then they perfect. get it. And so You're just um, teaching them find the root word. Yes. And that's beginning teaching prefixes. So, yeah. Or, and, just, and, and, suffixes. and suffixes. So, just cover up that S or cover up the ING mm -hmm. if that's the ending that's giving them trouble or cover up the ED or whatever. And then sort of that pattern of the consonant, vowel, consonant, consonant or CCVCC where it's the five-letter pattern, yep. and they, they it's all of a sudden like, oh, yeah, I do know that shape. I do know that word pattern. I can sound this word out. I often find that this is the point, too, when, you, when you're working on these um, beginning and ending blends, that the kids really are able to crack the code, so they start to move a little bit faster. And then you find that there are some kids who are still behind, some kids that are moving faster, and you have lots of different paces in your room. And so that can kind of throw you off because you're constantly monitoring where all of the kids are, and they're not at the same pace. I'm even seeing that in my reading group, mm -hmm. like the one that's moved to level E. Mm -hmm. What I'm having to do is um, with two of the students, they sort of get the book ahead of time and I pre-teach a little bit to them. So they're ready for the guided reading book right. when the whole group is together, or I might keep a student after for a little bit of extra time and we'll reread the book a few times. We'll um, talk about some of the sound patterns that we had, tr that the reader had trouble with that time. Yeah. Um, because even you got to differentiate sometimes within a small group of five students. Amen. I totally agree. It's true. And it's hard to keep tabs on all of your kids, but that's what's required of um, us as teachers. And that is the important work that teachers do. Yes. Well, I can't keep tabs of like all 22 of my students. So right now I'm prioritizing the, just the lowest readers because it's sure. mid-year and I want them to 
be as strong a readers as they can by the end of the year. And so I've set my advanced readers on a lot of independent work and oh, yeah. partner work and they're holding each other accountable on a lot of different things and I'm checking in with them and facilitating their learning. But oh, yeah. um, I'm not as hands-on with them as I was in first semester yeah. just because my other groups need a lot of attention right now. But I don't think that that means that you're not keeping tabs on them. I think that you are. You recognize where they are. You just realize that, like, where you need to really, you know, dig deep with some of these other kids, it requires a lot more facilitation by you. And yes. so that's why you have to work so hard to get <laughs> your room managed. So sounds like you're doing a great job. Well, thank you. So, um Contact us if you have any questions about consonants. We'd love to hear some of your ideas about what you use to teach them, and we can mm -hmm. add them to the resource list. And we'll put some pictures of stuff on the website and some of the books that we use and some of the activities that we use more specifically to go with consonants. And you can contact us at readingteacherslounge at gmail.com mm -hmm. or readingteacherslounge on Instagram. And visit our website, www.readingteacherslaunch.com, to see a full digest of each episode because we link to not just the show note resources on our website, but we also have all the pictures, all the resources, any documents that we reference are all together in one place for each episode on our website. You can also um, give us feedback on the website, too, by leaving us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Reading Teacher's Lounge podcast. We would like to thank Jordan Kimker for providing the original music and Allison Zane of Fruit Creative for the artwork. If you could please write us a review on iTunes or any other podcast listening app, we'd appreciate it because that would help more teachers find us. Also, if you find our information valuable, please tell a fellow teacher or parent to come check us out on our webpage, www.readingteacherslounge.com.